And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. I'm your host, Jeff Marlin. Tonight, I'm joined by my co-host, Kathy Amos, and we have a special guest with us, the voice of the Hoosiers, Austin Render. This evening, we're discussing last night's 77-58 to victory by your number 4-5 ranked Indiana Hoosiers versus Minnesota. This takes the women's record to 21-1 overall, 11-1 in the conference, which actually puts them one game ahead of the league right now at 11 and one Iowa in second place at nine and one. And they're playing a very important game tonight. We're actually going to mention this a little bit later in the broadcast as well, playing Maryland tonight in Iowa city. So and Maryland at, at nine and two in the league as well, but let's start this show the way we start every show. And that's with our banner moment and Kathy and Austin, I'm going to start tonight with the banner moment. I'm going to go back to Sunday. Grace Berger did something that no player in Indiana history had ever done. She became the first player, man or woman, to score 1,600-plus points, grab 600-plus rebounds, and hand out 500-plus assists in her career. So my banner moment and our banner moment tonight is Grace Berger doing a, a, setting a, a record, I would guess we would say, for Indiana basketball in that respect. And our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great, great collegiate gear. They dropped a new Duke line this morning. Save the booze. Um, you know, you know, save the booze. All right. So whether you want only IU gear or other college teams or nothing associated with the team, Homefield probably has something for you. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. And that's, again, H-O-M-E. And once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And actually, Kathy, before we get into anything else, just your thoughts on the the, the accomplishment that Grace Berger had in, in, in that 1,600, 600, and 500 club. Yeah, you know, it, that's really special, right? I mean, uh, Grace, we've always, we've been loving her for, four plus years at this point. And, you know, it's nothing, and we know she's remarkable. So it, it's great to start seeing a lot of these accolades come out as well. And and that's just, those numbers are staggering, right? Like even though she's in her fifth year, I mean, she's still got a huge chunk of the season to go. And I think she's just putting up some really fantastic numbers and that's with being out. How many games did she end up sitting out? Six seven, eight, some, eight. eight. Thank you. Yeah. So I lost count. So yeah, sitting out eight games and she's still able to, to do that. So she really essentially did it in basically four years, just a little over. So I think it's a fantastic feat and it'll be interesting to see if anyone ever can, um, can match her. And Austin, I want to get your thoughts about that. And you being the voice of the Hoosiers, you probably get to be around grace as much as any out, someone outside the team. Just maybe talk about what you, what about grace a little bit, but also the accomplishment. I mean, she's as hard of a worker as you're going to find. And this is just an attribute in, uh, to that. I think it it's well-deserved, obviously, but I think it's important in a season like this one because Mackenzie Holmes is getting a lot of the limelight, especially with Grace missing eight games uh, and Mackenzie doing what she is doing and very deserving of that limelight. But I think Grace is kind of flying a little bit under the radar this year because of how good the team has been. Sydney Parrish is the second leading scorer, and Grace is filling more of a role this season. I think we kind of went into the year thinking, okay, this is Grace's team. And, and it still, in ways, is. 
but she's filling more of a role. She is the facilitator. She is the point guard. She is the get everybody in the right position. And then when you need a dagger, get the ball in the hands of Grace Berger. Uh, and, and this is a great honor for her. And I think it's good because it's a different year for her. She's playing a different role. She's doing different things. Um, and with such a talented team around her, it's important that we spotlight what she's done. And just kind of also I'll follow that up a little bit. I think Coach Morin, maybe it was last night or Sunday, she made the comment that essentially Grace is really almost like a pro. She treats the she treats it like a professional. She really works on her game, works on her craft. Maybe if I get your quick comment on that, have you talk about that comment that Coach Morin made? Yeah, I mean, she approaches it like a professional. Everything she does is, uh, I mean, it's just down. She knows what she's doing at this point. It's five years at IU. She's got this thing down to a science. Um, she's always staying after practice, shoot around, getting her shots up. Uh, and, and just from what I get to see, which obviously is is not everything, but she just takes – is so professional in the way that she works and goes about her business. And I think it's just, and I, and it's not, it's not showboaty on the floor either. It's not, and she can have her moments where she gets into a game and everybody does. And you love that as, as a fan and as somebody who roots for the team, but for the most part, she's as stoic as it gets. And she just goes about her business, does makes a shot, goes back on defense, gets a steal, leads the break. And, and she, she is the reason that I, I go all the way back that this team won at Tennessee. She is the reason they handled the adversity that they faced in Knoxville. And she will be the reason they win many games coming down the stretch here because of her poise, her leadership, and just her professionalism. Yeah, and, and Kathy, I kind of want to get your thoughts a little bit. I mean, obviously, we're not around her as much as Austin is, but just from what we've seen, we've talked about her, just kind of Coach Morton's comments about Grace. What did what, what, you think when you saw those? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I think I missed those. I'm not. I think we might have still been traveling, so I didn't see them. But it doesn't surprise me at all uh, that that coach would say that about her. And you know, Austin, I think it's it's interesting because yes, I, I would say 98 percent of the time she seems very stoic, right? She's very businesslike. But every once in a while, and I think that's super fun to see her emotions really come out. And I think it was in that Ohio State game where you know she fell on the floor and she was really getting excited. And that became the national picture of the week this year, this mm -hmm. week, right? So um, then you have those fun moments uh the between her and the team as well and so you you just can see the the fire that she has in terms of competitiveness but it never turns into things where you're concerned about her fouling unnecessary or getting technical fouls or just having those emotions bubble over into something that she doesn't control um so she she seems to release those emotions at just the right time i think so very i think professional is just a per perfect way to see it so it'll be interesting i'm hoping you know i i don't know if there are draft boards for women but i'm hoping she has some kind of shot at getting drafted here this coming year so um just rooting for her in every aspect of life for sure yeah, and I was going to bring that. If you hadn't, I was going to mention that picture. What a great picture that was of Grace Berger. In fact, yep. charge and then was on the ground. And, you know, that picture they had of her and McKenzie kind of approaching her. What a great picture that was. So kudos to whoever gets the credit for that photo who took it and was able to get it out there. So that's, again, you know, want to congratulate Grace Berger on that. And that's our banner moment for tonight.
And we're going to start with the this after. Or excuse me. We're going to go next to the Amos angle. Let's get Kathy's thoughts about last night last night's game. Yeah, you know, Jeff. I think overall, uh, I, I thought the they they felt outside of McKenzie and Sydney, I, I kind of felt like the team was just a little sluggish and I'm sure we'll get into that with individual play, but just in general, the team play wasn't quite there. And, and I think it turned in to, you know, what, what we'll, we'll talk about later, but in, at the end of the day is it's like, we've said before in this, I've heard it, you know, coach Tonsoni on assembly call. It doesn't matter if you win um, ugly or win pretty as long as you win. Right. And we got yet another road win and putting us at 11 and one on the conference, I think is just fantastic. And I don't know, I know Jeff, you and I had very high expectations coming in, probably a little, a uh, little bit of homework there for, for our purposes, but you know, they're, they're proving us right, which is fantastic. Um, I don't know that I quite expected an 11, one, conference record um at this point but but i'm sure we'll also talk about we have the gauntlet coming up right that is february and that schedule in february is just um it's daunting and so you know not playing their best game and going on the road and still getting a win and you know it, the game was never really in question um so it, i'll take that any day of the week for sure and let's throw it over to austin for the render report and get his thoughts about the game from last night yeah, I mean, I think Kathy hit it on the head. Terry Moore after the game said, glad we won, but I'm not going to sit here and say that we played very well. Um, she was appreciative of Holmes and Parrish's efforts to get them across the finish line, but said that her guard play just was not good enough. 17 turnovers can be masked a little bit by Minnesota with 29. Uh, I think the focus was, gosh, Minnesota can't take care of the basketball. But then you look at Indiana's stat sheet, and they turned it over 17 times as well. I, I, I talked about this a little bit in the third quarter. It felt like a game, like you go to halftime, and it's a 21-point game. You led by as many as 26. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just a little bit of human nature to come out in the second half a little bit lackadaisical, a little bit like, all right, well, we got this one. And I'm not saying this team did that. That was just my feeling. They mm -hmm. came out sluggish. It was yeah. a 5-0 run to finish the second quarter for Minnesota and a 6-0 run to start the third quarter. All of a sudden, it was down to, I believe, a 12-point game at yeah. one point. And you're starting to think, okay, this is a team that can make some shots. And all of a sudden, they're back in this game. And, and credit to Indiana. I think they finished the third quarter on a 6-0 run to really put it back to 18 and put it away. But – it does feel like sometimes this team, and we saw it against Rutgers in the first half, they just sometimes doze off a little bit. And I, this team's not the juggernaut that Georgia football is, but I think you see that with good teams. I think I'm not going to say they get bored, but they just – there's times where you're the better team, you know you're the better team, and sometimes you just take the foot off the gas a little bit. I mean, think about how good Georgia was winning by, what, 60 in the national championship game? They almost lost at Missouri in the middle of the regular season. There's nice. just games as a really good team where you know you're better than the other team, and you just – maybe you're not as focused as you should have been. And I think that's these past two games – now, there's nobody left on their schedule that are Rutgers slash Minnesota and probably won't be until maybe the first round of the NCAA tournament. But there's it's not this is a good opportunity for Terry Moore and the staff to, to sit them down and say, guys, you can't take because, yeah, you didn't play your best basketball and you won. But that was Minnesota. 
The rest of the schedule is not Minnesota. So you cannot play that way and expect to win uh, here in February. Cause as you said, Kathy, this schedule is brutal. Yeah. And, and I will say that I kind of agree with both of you. And I felt all along, this was kind of, I hate to call it, use the term trap, but it really had that kind of feeling where we played a bunch of games in a row where there was a lot of focus, a lot of energy about those games, really kind of going back um, to the Illinois game. And, you know, you had Illinois, you had Michigan, you had Ohio State, you know, just kind of that gauntlet through there. And I'm leaving somebody out, maybe Nebraska that was. I'm trying to remember who. I'm leaving somebody out in that run. But but it just went, But then you had Rutgers, and they didn't play well against Rutgers. I totally agree with no. that, especially in the first half. But you were at least home with a pretty good-sized crowd that could give yep. you some energy. Now you're on the road, and I think Austin's right. I think Kathy's right. I think there's just a little bit of human nature. You're looking at the schedule, and you got two and eight Minnesota on the road. We know we're better than them. We just got to play. And you can get away, like you said, Austin, and we've talked about Kathy and Coach Tonsoy and I have talked about this on AC Radio and, and after some of the men's post games. You don't have to always play your A game. And, yeah. and they got away with it last night. But I agree with you. These next six games, I don't think you can have a performance like that and, and get out of Mackey Arena. Purdue may not be the best opponent left on their schedule, but it's not going to be a pushover game. It's not a walkover type game. And so I think that's I think there's a lot of things that Coach Moore can take out of that game. And I love her comment afterwards that, you know, I'm happy we won, but I'm not pleased with the performance. And, and that's the way I would have treated it. You know, and I would have talked to the team about if we want to be the team that we think we are and that everybody else kind of thinks we are. We can't play like that. We have to go out every night and, and as hard as it is, give and give that, you know, give the performance we expect. But again, I agree with both of you. I don't think that's going to be a problem with. Uh, in-state rival in Purdue and then the rest right. of the schedule right. we have the rest of the schedule we Let's have coming not. up. So <laughs> and so Austin, I'm gonna throw it back to you. Um uh one thing last night, I, again it wasn't a, a a a pretty win, but one thing last night that you would just kind of yep, that's the Indiana Hoosiers doing what the Indiana Hoosiers do. At this point it's Mackenzie Holmes. I mean, uh-huh. can you say anything else other than yeah, I mean that's what she does. Here's <laughs> here's her last six games. 29 and 8, 30 and 10, 25 and 10, 26 and 4, 21 and 6, 28 and 4. Yeah, it's staggering. Almost 70% from the floor for the season, averaging 24 points a game in Big Ten play, seven Big Ten double doubles. And it's just like when they need a bucket, they go to her. She scored 10 of the first 12 points last night. When they needed a couple buckets there, when it was a 12 point game, they went right back to her in the third quarter and she made. Uh, I believe two of the three buckets to put that quarter away. And that's just, and, and, and I hate to say it's as expected because it takes, it takes away, I think a little bit of what she's doing. Yeah. I mean, she is incredible and should not be left off of any list that ever details right. player of the year, big 10 player of the year, all America, what she is doing is historic. And like you said, Grace is putting up some numbers in her career. If Matt comes back for a fifth year next year, she could shatter every single number right. that's in those record books. Um, she's actually tied with Grace now. They have the same amount of career points, uh, 1,696. So uh, assuming she scores more, which you never know, she could pass Grace for 10th all time here coming up this week. But um, she is just phenomenal. And you hate to say it's expected, but she's averaging 22 a game (laughs) and she's put up 20 or more in six straight 14 out of 21 games this season.
for 22 yeah. games a season, she's done it. And, yeah, and she's, I, she's kind of made it say it's expected from her at this point. We've said uh -huh. this before on our show. And yeah, you're right, though, Austin. I mean, we shouldn't. I, and, and we, we're not saying that like we're taking it for granted, but it kind of sounds like we are. We're just like, uh, yeah, then, you know, we expected that. I can kind of shrug, but no, it's phenomenal what she's doing and it just can't be said enough. And well, she's a rim protector too. I don't think yeah. we should uh, forget how good her defense has been. That was kind of an area last season that was, okay, you're doing great. Cause remember before the injury, she was playing a little bit like this, put up 30 mm -hmm. at Ohio State. She was playing great. But one of the things that they really wanted her to improve upon was her defense. And she's blocked a shot, I believe, 15 straight games now. She's third all-time in blocks in school history. She has gotten so much better in the paint defensively. And there's still some room for growth there. But I, I don't think that should go by the wayside just because of how good she's been offensively. And the thing I wanted to add in here before we get to Kathy for her part, but just, but the thing is, I agree with you. I think there are people out there either one nationally who just aren't paying attention. And I don't know why they wouldn't be because Indiana is a quality. I mean, this is the number four it's team in the 14, country. Yeah. yeah and, and it's not like it's almost, they've come up all of a sudden this year. This is a team that's right. been in the national conversation or at least should be in the national conversation over the last two, three, four years. Yep. But I always say this, and, and I'm not necessarily looking for anybody to respond, but if you want to, go ahead. But we never seem to get that with Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark can put yeah. up number after number after number, game after game after game, and it's always and it's talked about. And I'm not trying to compare the two; they're both fabulous players. But I just, I just, it, to me, it just is interesting how it, with with Caitlin Clark, the media and especially the national media makes a deal out of it in every game. And again, she's phenomenal. I'm not trying to take anything away from her, but like you said, Austin. Max hardly getting any real attention in terms of the player of the year conversation, both nationally or in the league. And I get it. I really do. But in terms of I, I, I Caitlin Clark was the preseason favorite coming in, but she, there has to be at least more of a discussion than what's going on. It's a triple double thing. I've said it. Yeah. Like Sounds it's the flashiness true. of Caitlin Clark's yeah. game. It's pulling up from the logo. It's putting up stat lines that are absurd. Mackenzie Holmes is not asked to do that. No, and right. so in my opinion, you should not be docked as a player of the year candidate. And this is kind of the argument to be made for Aaliyah Boston to win player of the year nationally is she is playing two and a half to three quarters a game because South Carolina is blowing everybody out. Like these, po these post players are asked to do a completely different thing than a Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark can do whatever she wants on the floor. She can pull up in the logo. She can dish. She can score. Mackenzie Holmes is a paint player, a rebounder, and a good defender, but she's not pulling up from the logo. Right. She's not getting 15 assists a game. And so it's just a completely different game and a completely different style, and Clark's style is going to attract more eyeballs just as a basketball kind of – fan neutral fan than mac will but uh, she deserves everything uh that clark is getting in my opinion well yeah. stated kathy what about you what was something that went as expected last night 
Yeah, I think something that went expected and more was our defense. I mean, you know, we held held Minnesota in every quarter to 20 or less. That includes a first quarter of only six points. Um, at one point, I think Minnesota, yeah, in that first quarter, they were only shooting 14%. I mean, they ended up, you know, coming out in that second half and playing a little better and shooting much better, but they still only ended up at 34%. And we, you know, some of those were not off force, but 29 turnovers that we ended up turning into 30 points. Um I just, again, our defense has become our calling card and it certainly has become something as expected. And it didn't disappoint me yesterday. Yeah. I, you guys actually took the two that I was going to, but I will throw in here that to a certain degree, I think we've come to expect Sydney Parrish is going to do things. They're going to help this team win. Yeah. And last night it was scoring. Cause we, it, the, as Austin, I believe mentioned the guard, the other, the guards, the wings really struggled except for Sydney. And so, but it's so whether it's 10 points a game and five, six rebounds and two or three steals and two or three assists, just Sydney Parrish is, and I've made this comment on here. I've made it on Twitter. Sydney Parrish is, is going to do things that help you win. And, and that, I think that's just another thing we've come to expect. And, and I think that's, you know, sometimes it gets overlooked as well because, you know, as coach Morin said, and I've repeated it on here a number of times, everybody probably can hear me, but don't just look at Sydney Parrish, watch Sydney Parrish right. play the game. And, don't and, just and look at the numbers. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't just look at her. Look, yeah. at, don't look at the makeup. Don't look at the eyelashes. All that. That's what <laughs> Coach Morton said. I'm not. I'm, yes, I'm more quoting, quoting Coach yes. Morton. But <laughs> that kid will. She's going to grind. She's going to get on the floor. She's going to. She's going to be aggressive. Whatever she's got to do to help her team win. And that I think is one I would say we've come to have to be expected. Uh, Kathy, let's go back around the horn here. Something that surprised you last night. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, this one, I actually wrote down quite a few things, but I, I'm going to go with something that I, I mentioned at the beginning is just outside of McKenzie and Sydney, I felt like most of the team seemed really unfocused and, and specifically as much as we talked about how fantastic a player was, I really thought Grace wasn't on her game yesterday. Um, she did end up with nine assists, but outside of that, her shooting was off. She had, well, the whole team had turnover bug, but, you know, uh, Grace um, ended up with three as well, but she only had two of 10 shooting, which was just not something we've come to expect from Grace. You know, we, again, you know, you talked about her career numbers. This was definitely an off night for her, but I I felt like it was with the rest of the team, um, which was kind of, you know, led to some unbalanced scoring. You know, normally we're seeing four or five, sometimes even six players get into double figures. We had three, but that was only because Sarah Scalia scored um, a bucket there kind of late. Otherwise, it was only Sydney and Mackenzie Holmes that got into double figures for us. And outside of that, everyone else was six points or less. So I was just really surprised at how unbalanced the scoring was and how unfocused I felt the team kind of felt throughout most of the game. Austin, how about you? Uh, I'll put another guard out there um, that was that was just and almost if you watch the game and obviously I was there watched it talked about it you forget talked like, a little bit about it right <laughs> I almost you almost forget that it, that Yarden Garzon played in the game yeah uh, she yeah. was not and def- that's not take away from her defense the whole team as a defensive unit was great on the offense side of the floor. She's a player that should get at least three, four, five looks from three per game. Did not take a three-pointer for the first time all season. Only the third game that she hasn't made a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. I think she took three shots all yeah, game. Only three. Yeah. So to me, uh, and, and again, this is because Yarden has gotten to the point where she is no longer a freshman in a lot of our eyes. And so we expect such great things out of her and she will deliver. I guarantee you she'll come back 
in Mackey on Sunday and have a great day. Uh, but, and she's allowed to have a, a day, you know, as a freshman where, you know what, it just wasn't there, whether yeah. it was focus, whether it was the defense of Minnesota, whatever it was, she just wasn't there. And that to me, just because of what I have come to expect from the incredible play of Yarden this season, it was just a little surprising to look at the box score and be like, that's, that, she didn't shoot a three. It's just very for for a fifty percent three point shooter who's toward the top number in the country to not have a three point attempt, not making it. it, it, If you take four or five and you have an off night, whatever, but to not take one is is quite surprising. And and maybe you credit Lindsey Whalen and their defense uh, running her off the three point line. There wasn't a single moment that I remember where I'm like, oh, she probably should have shot that. It was just really just a you kind of forgot she was out there on the floor. And, and again, her defense has been incredible. We know what she did against McMahon of Ohio state, but offensively last night, just kind of felt like a, uh, just surprised at uh, the lack of shot attempts for gears. Yeah. Yeah. I said the same kind of thing to my husband when we were watching the game and not only no field goes and no free throws either. Although, you know, the team only shot 14 total, but, yeah, she just, I, I said the same thing. I said, Yarden just seems off. And it just, again, it was something that felt off throughout the whole team. Yeah. Again, they managed to win. Um, but yeah, they didn't, they did that play their best game for sure. Yeah. And I'll kind of follow along with that. Um, and, and really just the wings as a whole, excuse me, but the rest of the team, if you take away McKenzie and Sydney, the, the, the rest of the team was 11 for 35. And so that's, I'm not good at math, but that's under 33%. All right. And and, and so, but, so, but overall our numbers looked good because McKenzie and Sydney had such great nights. McKenzie 12 for 14, Sydney eight for 12. We shoot 51% for the night, but if they had not had their games, the surprise, so that why I'm throwing this in here as a surprise is once I realized, as I watched that, I was kind of like, when I watched it late night last night after I got back from we were doing a game on the radio here up here last night for the girls sectional, I was like, oh, typical, you know, everybody contributed. But and then as I watched it, I saw what the way it was going. And then I looked at the stat line afterwards and I was like, if you told me we were going to shoot 11 for 35 with the exception of two players and win by 23, I'll take that on the road. Yeah. But like we yeah. said, it wasn't a very good performance. And and it just was like Kathy, you said it and Austin said. There's just, there was just something missing last night. I don't know whether there was focus or what, but we all kind of saw it and, and such as that. So let's dive into the numbers. And we've talked about some of the numbers already, but Austin, yeah. is there a team stat here that you want to point out that we haven't I, talked about? I think for me, there's two things, and it's a general thing that happened again last night. But to me, it is the fact that this team continues to distribute the basketball in a way that's best among the Big Ten and, and close to the top in the country at nearly 19 assists a game. And people forget, as good as this team was last year, they averaged 14 assists a game, which isn't terrible, but you get five extra assists a game. That's five quality buckets you're, you're knocking down a game. And that's not to mention how many times maybe you're given good passes where the shots don't go down. This team just shares the ball incredibly well. They have had they that to me shows sustainability. Mm-hmm. And like there there's some stats where okay, like that game they went 65% from 3. That's not sustainable. But averaging and continuing to put out 
18, 19, 20, 21 assists per game, to me says a lot. And the other one, and I want to get the number right here. So now I'm going to pull out and make sure I get the numbers right here. So that was the 10th game of the season with 20 assists or more. And it was also the 15th time this season that this team has shot 50% or better from the floor. That's a huge stat for me going forward for this team is that this is not a team that, oh, if they get hot, they can beat you. No, they're just really good. They're yeah. fourth in the country in two-point field goal percentage. I believe second in the country in effective field goal percentage. They are really good at not only making shots, but getting high percentage looks. Uh, it, Sydney Parrish and Mackenzie Holmes barely missed yesterday. They yeah. were both terrific in that game. So those are the two numbers to me. Over 50% again from the floor and over 20 assists. It just continues to be a marvelous uh, stat trend that I think is very sustainable for this team and will provide them some good boosts come March. Kathy? Yeah, um, so Austin went on the positive side, so I'll flip over to the negative side, which was um, rebounding. We actually got out-rebounded, 40 to 32. And, you know, again, um, <laughs> I think it just goes back to that theme we've we've been talking about through this with this game is they just didn't seem quite as focused. They didn't seem quite as um, tuned in to what was going on in, the, in this game. And, you know, normally it's, it's not a huge rebounding margin, but against a team like Minnesota, I just expected almost down the line in the stats, we would have we would have um, been ahead of them. And being out-rebounded by Minnesota is definitely not one I would expect. You know, we had nobody in double figure for, for rebounding in this game. Part of it was because, you know, we did shoot uh, such a high percentage, uh, you know, we didn't have quite the the rebounding opportunities maybe that they did. But still, I, I would have expected, you know, maybe Sydney or McKenzie to get close to that. And Sydney did with three with eight rather. But after that, no one really came close to getting double figure in rebounding. I was a little surprised to see us getting out rebounded by Minnesota. Um, and I think that kind of goes it was think that was mainly in the second half, if I remember. Yeah. Um, in the first half we were, we were actually ahead in rebounding. So most of that came in the second half, which really was about that third quarter, right? That was definitely a, a quarter. We got outplayed by, um, Minnesota. They outscored us in that. And I believe they probably out rebounded us in that quarter as well. Kathy, I'll say this. Minnesota is first in the big 10 in rebounding. All right. Well, good. So they Thank are, they are a very, very good <laughs> rebounding team. They average okay. over 42 rebounds a game. Um, so in theory, we kept them under their average, but yes. no, I think the more concerning uh, if like number to me is, is Mackenzie Holmes only having four. I think it yeah. took till the second quarter till she got her first rebound. That to yeah. me is weird. Mishaw's a tough matchup down low. There's a lot of strength and physicality there. Uh, but but Minnesota is a very, very good rebounding. Okay, great. Well, thank you for that. I knew that they out-rebounded their opponents. I didn't realize they were um, that yes, high in the yeah, conference. They the conference, yeah. I, I, didn't, I think the number, though, that stuck out, stuck out to me, though, Austin, was 15 offensive rebounds. Yeah, and, and that was the one that... And they averaged 14. Oh, did we lose, we lose I think we might have. <laughs> well, we'll just carry on here. Um, so yeah, whatever... They do average 14 offensive rebounds a game. And I'm not saying because yeah. they average it, they should get it every time. But And again, I think if you ask the coaching staff, they would be disappointed in the rebounding as well. Yeah. Uh, but, but just trying to play devil's advocate. And nope. come to the team. There we go. Defense. 
Hey, hey there he is. I was we there. Were... You guys left me first on my screen. So, I don't like that. <laughs> so hey, anyway. Yeah, so anyway, we were just yeah, wrapping up for a rebounding But also, also yeah. real, real quick, I want to ask you, I, again, we are a little pressed on time tonight. But do you get the sense that sometimes Minnesota is almost, there to, uh, to a certain degree, their offensive game plan is just to chuck it up and go get it? Or is that over? Yeah, yeah, they are a very good. I think they know they're a very good rebounding team and they like their odds on the glass. Um, they are a very and another reason why they are a good rebounding team is because they are a poor shooting team. Right. Yeah. So they miss a lot of shots and they have the opportunity to get a lot of rebounds. So that's one of those things that this team could be benefiting off of the fact that they just don't make that many shots. And I'll go positive here real quick before we move on. My one stat that I really wanted to point out, IU won the points off turnovers last night, 30 to yeah. 9. 30 to 9. Now, so we didn't play well, but 30 points off 29 turnovers, that means you got a point per turnover, you know, a little over, 1.03. I did do the math on that one. 1.03 points off of each, <laughs> each turnover. Minnesota only got nine points off the 17 turnovers. That was just about a half a point. So that is a huge discrepancy. And a night where we didn't play very well, Offensively, we definitely converted on the uh, turnover battle. So, all right. So, um, I think we lost Austin. Uh, hopefully, we'll get him back here. Um, <laughs> I'll leave a little bit later, and we'll make it a trifecta. So, yeah. So, <laughs> let's go. Well, Kathy, what's an individual stat that you have? Um, well, I think I've kind of mentioned um, quite a few of them already. I talked about Grace, and um, I do I just want to again highlight, even though it wasn't her best game in terms of scoring and other such things, she did have nine assists again. Um, the other person though, that kind of seemed to not really, you know, kind of like Yarden, which Austin already talked about, but um, Chloe Moore McNeil just seemed to kind of disappear. Normally, mm -hmm. you know, she, again, she's not out there for scoring. She's not out there for rebounding. But normally you get a lot of assists. She's even been beating Grace. She only had three assists this game too. And I thought her defense was really great. But again, uh, most of our warts I thought were on the offensive side. You know, we held Minnesota well under their, their team average of 72 points per game. So I'm not talking defensively. I think everyone played great defensively. Offensively, I think Chloe just wasn't quite quite there for us yet um, last night either. And some of her shots just, you know, sometimes they just kind of were – in and out, whatever. Sometimes when she missed some of those, they, she just looked off balance. And just, again, there was just something off with the team offensively outside of Sydney and McKenzie. So, yeah, I always say the rest of my individual stats, Kathy, for yeah. the game balls and the hustle. Okay. Yep. I have nothing else. Um, then. Cause I really have, there's a couple of players we're obviously probably going to talk about there. So yeah, I have a feeling they will be. He's back. Let's get him in here. Let's there try he the phone. My computer has crashed. Oh, sorry to hear that. No, so Austin, no. Austin, the audio probably not as good here, but we're gonna we're gonna go with the the phone. Nope. You You're sound fine. just fine. You're fine. So Austin, we're getting ready for our game balls here. And for those who are watching on the YouTube feed, Kathy will be putting the scroll up here. You can follow that along the bottom. And and Austin, we've kind of joked around that this is basically <laughs> it. When she is finally done, that we're, we may just rename this as the McKenzie Holmes. Uh, game ball award. Uh, she leads the way this year with 12, which last year we had nobody, nobody was close to double figures in, in last year. So McKenzie with 12 leads the way, but I'm going to go to you first here tonight. Who gets your game ball? And I got a feeling we're going to have to be unanimous on this. Uh, I mean, yeah, the easy answer is, is McKenzie. Uh, if you want to get creative, you can go Sydney Parish. I, 
here, here, I'll go with a different one. Okay, I'll go a different direction just for talk show type <laughs> of answer here. I'll go Sarah Scalia having to go back to her former place and getting into double figures. It wasn't easy. She didn't shoot the ball very well. But I think handling the emotions that come with that, uh, I, I'm going to go with Sarah Scalia because I think she deserved it. She played well, uh, seemed to be more assertive last night than normal, which I kind of like to see from her. We know how good of a player she can be, so I'll give it to her. All right, Kathy, for your game balls, Austin throws kind of a <laughs> he threw uh, he threw us a curveball. Um, well, I'm going to go with uh, just our normal. I, I have to vote for McKenzie again. Uh, you know, she just you know we we didn't go through all the stat lines, but 28 points again, and you know, 12 of 14 shooting. That's just incredibly. At, at one point, she and Sarah, I can't remember, it was well into the first half. Both of them were actually perfect on their shooting. So, um, 12 of 14 added in another four or five free throws. So she's getting it done on the line uh you know off night a little bit for rebounding as a team but she also had four blocks as austin mentioned you know she's that force down low four blocks and two steals last night so i thought she got it done on both ends of the floor and to me i thought from both teams she clearly looked to be the absolute best player on the floor last night yeah i'm, I'm gonna go with mckenzie holmes we'll make it two for one here on mckenzie and that gives McKenzie her 13th game ball of the year. Hopefully that's not an unlucky number. Sorry, I just wanted to go different, you know. That's we, fine. We, we're fine. That's why we have it. That's you. good. That's why we and, like having a also, you know, we it feels you made to bring up that I love that Sydney Parrish came to uh, the press conference last night and, and defended Scalia. Uh, she was very frustrated that the fans booed we're her early in the yeah. game. Uh, I, I thought she handled herself very well. Uh, facing all of that yeah Austin, yeah. when you bring that up um you get the sense and I, I know we we're away from the team kathy and i talk about the team and we love to watch the team and we're, but we're we're away and there's been i know i think within the fan base a little bit as you're talking about kind of a frustration that, of way sarah's played but it, i but we've seen some hints of this in some of the videos i know you probably saw it the one and kathy you weren't here last week um but they had the video where they had where they had sydney mic'd up uh, I think it was, and she was talking yeah, and things that. like that. Did you see it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff. Austin, this, this, this seems like a, and I know last year's team was all, was considered tight. This team maybe seems like even tighter. Is that possible? It's a different, yeah, it's a different kind of tight. Um, but I think that's just the culture of this program that they bring in a 50% new team this year. And they just get along so great. And they figure out each other very quickly. Uh, Mackenzie, I know, said they did a lot of things in the offseason, team bonding activities and whatnot, um, to really make sure they were ready for the season. And I remember going to practices early in the year. And one of the big things that, that was harped upon is lack of communication. They weren't communicating on the floor. They weren't talking to each other. And and to see like how quickly that turned into what has become of this team is incredible. And the way that they have figured each other out and how to play with each other. And, and a lot of that is a credit to their leaders and what they've been able to do off the floor. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go, as we said, Mac getting McKenzie Holmes wins her 13th game ball. We're going to go to the Hoosier Hustle Award. And Kathy, we'll go to you first this time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I th- to me, I think it comes down to two players. Um, Austin already mentioned Sarah um, on there. I, w- I do want to mention, um, I thought 
she got a standing ovation though from Minnesota at the beginning of the game, and then the rest of the game they booed her. So it was very polite. I, did, I very thought they were giving her a clap, and I was very yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, and then now I will I will say I'm I'm high up in the arena, so yeah. I didn't hear <laughs> the boos. I could hear like a few. Yeah, and I don't mean this to be mean, but there weren't many people there, there to be with anyway. The, the uh, announcers were said it was the it. band. <laughs> so. Yeah, they were, I think they were hearing it more down on the floor yeah. than I was perched up in my seat, right. rows right. and rows and yeah. rows above the barn. So, so with that, I think though Sarah really handled herself really well. But um, for me, my final vote, I think for Hoosier Hustle is going to go with uh, with um, Sydney. So, you know, twenty three points again at one point. You know, she was shooting perfect from the floor, and she rebounded um, eight. She had eight rebounds, leading the team in rebounds as well. And I thought she just again did you know things we're expecting from Sydney and getting away from the stats. I could just read her stat line if I wanted to, but I just again thought she was doing the things that you know we're starting to really really come to expect from her, which is diving on the ball, diving on the floor for loose balls, and really hustling after things. She's I don't think I rarely see her on a play go. Gosh, she just really didn't seem to go after that ball. It just she's always hustling, and to me that's what epitomizes this award. So. So for me, I'm I'm voting for Sid on this one. All right, we'll throw it over to Austin. I'm in 100% agreement. I, I think she has been such a, an important piece. I think at the beginning of the season, we didn't know what we would get from Sydney Parrish coming off the bench, but Terry Moore had always said we have six starters, and she has been absolutely terrific. I, I think that her rebounding is so huge for this team. And this has been a team that's been built off of guard rebounding for a long time. You think about Allie Papper, Grace Berger, um, mm -hmm. even Nicole last year, as undersized as she was, crashed the glass incredibly well. Um, it, it's very important that these guards rebound, and you see that from Sydney Parrish and the way she attacks the glass. So I think for, for everything she did last night, a hustle award is the perfect name for anything that she should get last night. Yeah. And I'm going to make it unanimous. I won't add much to it because Sydney Parrish was my vote and, and Austin and Kathy took the stats and the things. <laughs> so this is why the show works so well, because we we're all kind of in, you know, at least had the, the, the wherewithal to think that along the same lines in both the game ball and the, uh, and the Hoosier hustle, but that is the sixth Hoosier hustle award now for Sydney Parrish. She is the leader on the Hoosier hustle award. And we're going to go to lingering questions. And and Austin, I'm going to ask you first if you have any. But before I do, let me premise a little bit just that we understand that when the team's 21-1 and one and 11-1 and one in the league, when we talk about some lingering questions, it almost sounds like we're nitpicking. But <laughs> and is we are. there anything, <laughs> whether it's coming out last night or something that you've seen maybe over the last couple of weeks, is there a lingering question with this group? If there, if there is one, maybe there isn't. Maybe this is what we, they are who we think they are, to quote Denny Green. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple spots to me. I think rebounding is really a big question mark. Can this team rebound the basketball well enough against a bigger team? Because Minnesota was a bigger team, and they didn't really rebound very well last night. Um, they don't. They they typically win when they out rebound. Now they've won really regardless this year, but. Typically, you win when you out-rebound the opponent, but when you play Monica Sinano and the Iowa Hawkeyes, when you play, let's say they were to draw 
South Carolina or UConn or somebody who's got a big LSU and Angel Reese. Mm -hmm. Can you go up against these big teams and rebound the basketball? I thought Michigan was probably their best example of of a really good rebounding night. They did a great job there. But rebounding to me is the number one lingering question. Can you get yourself second chance opportunities under the basket? And and can people other than Mackenzie Holmes get uh, big rebound numbers? Kathy, what about you? Yeah, um, rebounding would be one as well a little bit for me. I I mentioned that earlier in my um, kind of surprises, but um, I, I don't really have a whole lot else. You know, we've seen this team kind of turn the ball over every once in a while uh, in, in excessive numbers. They still only average, I think, probably around 12 the last I look uh, per game. So it's not like it's an, it's an outstanding problem for them. Uh, so my biggest kind of question is we've kind of had two games now in the row. We had the Rutgers game. We've had this game where they're not quite as high energy that we've seen. Now, do I think that's going to be a problem on Sunday? I certainly hope not. I mean, we got a rival. We're going in the road. We're going to a sold out crowd at Mackey Arena. I really would be shocked if this team came out flat again. So it's not really much of a lingering question there either for me, Jeff. So honestly, yes, I feel like I'll just start nitpicking to your point. So, and I know we're running short on time. So I'll yeah. say nothing else. <laughs> I, I just, the turnovers do concern me because the two turn, two games we had with turnover issues were both on the road and both yeah. against teams that weren't. Top of the level, we're, yeah. we're top of the level league, so that will be possibly a lingering question. I have, I'm going to go through this really quickly. We are pressed up against time. Uh, our next opponent is Purdue, the Boilermakers on the road. The game time is two o'clock Eastern, one o'clock Central. That's Sunday on February the 5th. The game will be aired on. Uh oh, did we lose him again? Okay. It's on FS1, I believe. Yeah, it's on FS1. Uh, The game has been announced as a sellout, as I already mentioned. So in terms of history, um, Indiana trails the all-time series 53 to 38. Um, That includes 32 and 17 and West Lafayette as a record. Um, In terms of more recency, though, we have won the last seven in a row and nine of the last 10 versus the Boilermakers. So it's definitely been a a rivalry of streaks here. Uh, Purdue was just fantastic for a long time, and um, it's kind of flipped now. So Last year, we were 2-0, including a 73-68 victory at Mackey in overtime last year. And if I remember, that was when we had both McKenzie and Nicole um, Cardania-Hillary both were out in that game. Yeah, so really good. Yeah. Squad last yeah. Year. So, and, and, yeah, I was going to say Purdue big in the second game, and Purdue made a second-half charge and made yeah. that one a bit of a game before IU won by 10. Yeah. Uh, Coming into the game, Purdue is 15 and six overall. They're six and five in the conference. Their most recent game was last Sunday. They've had the whole week off uh, the, when they beat OSU in Columbus, 73 uh, 65. Uh, they're led in scoring by Elisha Petrie uh, at 13.9. Abby Ellis averages 11.9, and Caitlin Harper at 11.1. Janae Terry leads them in rebounding at eight per game, and she also leads them with 6.9 assists per game. And they're coached by the former All American, Katie Gerald's is in her second year as the head coach for the Boilermakers. She's 32 and 21, but she had eight years previously as the head coach at NAIA Marion in Annapolis. She had two national titles. Her overall record is 259 and 70. We want to remind everybody that AC Radio is coming up right after us here at the top of the hour. Also be sure to catch and subscribe to the next episode of Crimson Cast, part of our Back Home Network family. And our next show will be Sunday after the Purdue game. We'll be live immediately after the game, 4 Eastern, 3 Central, for the Doing the Work podcast uh, post-game show. Yep. 
Yeah, so I think we just need to be, you know, on our game. This is a rival. It's a over a sold out crowd, and you know, Purdue's shown that they they can win. You know, they just beat Ohio State the same week that we did as well. So they're not a team to take lightly at all. Um, rivalry or not, so um, the last two wins are both road top twenty five wins yeah. at Illinois and at Ohio State. As you mentioned, Jeff, they have a whole week off, which is helpful at any stage in this Big Ten season. Uh, to have a week off whether uh, there's going to be some people who say well you played minnesota that's basically a week off no it's not wow. you gear up mentally physically for a game no matter and our starters played play. a lot of minutes yeah yep. and you travel and and all of that stuff so uh purdue will have the advantage there Mackey was rocking last year and this year it's a sellout it's going to be bonkers in there i cannot wait i think if you were to power rank the remaining six games in the schedule this one to me is right behind Iowa's toughest on the schedule at Iowa. I think right. this is tougher yes. than Iowa home. I think this is going to be one of the toughest games Indiana plays all season because there's nothing that Purdue wants to do more than beat Indiana. I think Katie Gerald said something last year, like this will be the last time we lose to Indiana or something like that. Uh, and our, our, I think our team knows that and knows that she said that, but um, this is, this is what Purdue wants to do. They want to beat the in-state team, especially when they're having the season. It's kind of flipped men's and women's mm-hmm. men's, yeah. the men's game. Our, our men here in Bloomington want to beat the number one team. Purdue women want to beat the number four in the big 10 leader. And so it, this is going to be as tough as it gets in Mackey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, well, we will have at least a couple Indiana fans there because I was supposed to go this game and I can't anymore. So we donated our tickets to Hoosier um, Ticket Project and they were able to find some Indiana fans to get them to. So we'll have a chunk, yeah. but it's yeah. going to be loud in there. Yes. Yes. Real quick, I'll answer. It was a question yeah. here from Laura in the chat and the, with the workaholics. The the live post game show Saturday after the men's game is going to be over at the IU Media School. They are not going to be doing it from Switchyard or any other location. There will be a meetup at Switchyard after that after the game, but they will their live post game show the will be from over on campus rather than at the Switchyard like it was yeah. here earlier. And again, we're getting on time, but I want to give you we'll go really quickly here. I figured this up today. IU's last six opponents have won sixty nine point eight percent of their games. Maryland at 62.7, and that's counting the game tonight. They have seven games left. Uh, Ohio State has six games left. Their six are 61%. Iowa has eight games left, counting tonight, only 58.4% winning percentage. So, Austin, looking at those top four, I'm going to kind of maybe give you the batting practice you know, fastball here. Who has the advantage going down the stretch, at least based on schedule? <laughs> everybody plays each other that's what's hard um i think ohio state has maryland twice uh and us once but they're done with iowa and they have to go to michigan iowa gets us twice uh they get maryland twice uh we obviously get iowa twice purdue twice ohio state and michigan once i don't know if there's a favorite i think right now i would say indiana is the favorite because they have two games in hand And that's important. It doesn't matter who you play to have two extra wins already tucked away. That's important. Now, Iowa right now, I've got it on in here. They look really, really good against Maryland. They're up big early. Uh, I I think, in my opinion, it comes down to those two, IU and Iowa. Kathy, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, in terms of strength of schedule, Jeff, you did the math, and Indiana, in terms of math on paper, has definitely the toughest schedule. And Iowa definitely has some weaker games in there, too, to kind of give them a little bit of a break. So I think, you know, in terms of just looking at the February schedule, it feels to me Iowa's got the advantage again. Uh, we saw that a little bit with them last year, kind of wrapping up conference play. Um, and again, it's just on how the schedule fell out and who they're playing and who they're not. I, I, pretty sure almost everyone we are playing are ranked or Purdue, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yep. Purdue um, is fifth out of the poll. Right. Yep. And they're knocking on the door. Exactly. Austin. So it, in Maryland, Ohio state and Iowa, I think they at least each of them have at least one unranked team in there. That should be something on paper, a little bit of an easier game for them. So um, I, I don't know. I just, that's what we talked about preseason Jeff and our, uh, you know, not off off season show when we were breaking the schedule down and it just looked like it was going to shake out this way. And it definitely is so far, but yeah, Austin, I think you make a great point. You know, we are at 11 one Iowa right now, nine and one. And yes, Iowa right now is beating Maryland 20 to eight with three minutes left in the first. So we all need to be Maryland fans right now. I think so. a little bit, a little bit, the, yeah. the classic Steve offered line from senior night to senior year when let's go home and root for Michigan because they were playing yeah. Purdue that day. Um, Austin, let's move on to final last call. What's your, what just something to wrap up the night with from, from you. I think the biggest thing is is be happy they won yesterday, but know, and Terry Moore knows it, that they have to play better. There's not a single team. Like you said, Kathy, there's teams on Iowa and Maryland schedules that they can play like Indiana did last night. That's not the case for the Hoosiers going forward. If they play like they did last night, any of their final six games could end up in losses. I think you're going to need to – you have to split with Iowa at the very least – and, and it's going to take four or five wins in these final six to, to win the Big Ten title. I think they're in a good spot, but you're, whoever wins it is going to earn it, and Indiana is going to have to play better than they did last night. Kind of, Kathy, your final thoughts. Yeah, very, very much similar. I, I uh, you know, again, I, I'd rather uh, win ugly than lose pretty any day of the week. And we, we definitely did that again. And, and it wasn't really ugly. We've had worse games, but we cannot have this for the rest of the season. Um, the closest we might be able to afford is the first game of the NCAA tournament. But even then I wouldn't even want to take a chance on that. They have to come out of the gate here on Sunday um, firing with all, all five players all at once. We can't have, you know, Grace having another night where she's um, two of 10 shooting or whatever she ended up on. I don't have the stats pulled up anymore, but we have to have more players be a little more balanced than we saw. We cannot have 17 turnovers again, like we did. And we can't do that at any of our games. And yeah, I think we need to, at a minimum, split with Iowa. I think we need to beat Purdue both the time and um, to have a to shot at really going down and, and winning this title out outright for the, the regular season. Do I think we can do it? 100% though. I, I felt confident in this team from the beginning and they've done nothing to make me waver in my confidence. So big games um, very big excited. They, they take get up a for them. step up when there's yeah. a big game on the line. Think about the way they've played Tennessee. against North Carolina, Tennessee, Ohio yep. State, Maryland, Michigan. This team has another gear, and they just have to find that yep. gear in those big games. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to agree with Kathy, and especially with Austin. I like where we're at. We got two games in hand. We're two games up in the win column, and so at 11 and one with six games to go, I do like our positioning. I would like to have maybe one other team on that schedule that was maybe replacing Ohio State <laughs> or Michigan, but you know, but I, I agree with Austin I, and, and Kathy as well. You look at the the final schedule: three games at home, three games on the road. You have to go undefeated at home. You have to win the three at home, and realistically, you got to win one of the three. On, you got to win one of the three on the road. And I think I agree with Austin's comment earlier. I think sixteen, fifteen, and three gets you a share. 
I think you got to pretty much be 16 and two if you want to win it outright. And that may still be a share. Who knows with the way it shakes out. But if you want to win it, you got to win it home. And of course, we're going down the road. You got to win it. I I hate to say must win, but this is a big game. There are no more, there are more, there are no more, you know, oh, playing them. No, these are all going to be vital games down the stretch. Hey, we want to thank everybody for being here tonight in the Workaholics. I want to thank Kathy for being back from vacation. Also, I want to thank Austin for joining us again tonight. It's awesome when we can have him here, and hopefully he'll be able to join us again in the future. If you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat and be the in the Workaholics, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com uh, slash assemblycall. You can also be part of our private community as well. Join today at assemblycall.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design dot com for designing our new logo and also a big thank you to bob thompson for our new music that you heard throughout the broadcast and thank you for listening we'll be back to talk iu hoops again with you soon until then keep your elbows in your eyes on the rim and go hoosiers all right good night everybody everybody. thanks austin